This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump in to another episode for all of us who lead from the middle, from the second chair for the second chair. Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Clark, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. And hey, I'm so glad you've joined us today. We have an incredible conversation, a great episode in store for you today. We have the campus pastor team from Parallel Church in Alberta, Canada, joining Pastor Brandon for an incredible conversation about how to remain faithful under pressure. It's incredible. But before we jump into the episode today, we have a second cheerleader who's bringing us the top five ways to increase your capacity as a leader. We have Jesse Rodriguez joining us to give us this top five. Let's listen in. What up, everybody? My name is Jesse Rodriguez, and I get the honor and privilege of being a location pastor at Champion Center in Yakima, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest, under the one and only legends himself, my senior pastors, Pastor Kevin and Sheila Gerald. I'm just honored to have an opportunity to share today about leading and growing, and the top five topic we're talking about, and I'm going to be sharing about, is five ways to increase your capacity as a leader. As a leader, we're not meant to stay. We're meant to grow. We're meant to increase our capacity. So here's number one, put yourself in higher altitudes. I have a background of being a trainer for um, athletes in college. So a lot of times I like to share about things I've learned in my coaching and back in my background with athletes. And one thing about athletes you need to know, they like to train at higher altitudes at times to increase their oxygen that will go through their body, which helps shorten recovery times while enhancing strength and endurance. As second chair leaders, when opportunities arise to be in rooms that we don't feel qualified to be in, we're a little worried, we might be sweating, we might just be falling apart on the inside, we can never miss out on those opportunities. Why? In those moments, we're being stretched and we're increasing our leadership capacity. I'm so grateful for rooms that I've been a part of that have grown my leadership without knowing it weeks and years down the road later. So I'm grateful to be in higher altitudes. Number two, don't just ask for answers, but learn the reasoning. This is something that took me a while to learn, and I'm so grateful about this. We've all heard the quote before, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I believe the same is true in leadership. Now I want to put my own spin on it. Here is my own version. Give the man an answer. Solve the problem for that day. If you teach a man the reasoning for the answer, you teach him to solve problems on his own for a lifetime. Let's not just ask for answers, but understand the reasoning for that answer. Let's be problem solvers because problems will always arise. And if we only have answers, we don't know the reasoning. We will never be able to answer other problems that come our way or how to solve them. Number three, always, I can't reiterate it enough, all caps, underline, bold, 
always be a student. There's a term referred to as continued education, where professionals in certain fields attend workshops, seminars, or university courses. The goal of continued education is to help you develop new skills and remain relevant in your field. We all put this into practice in 2020 when we were hit with a pandemic. We had to implement new ways of doing church to stay effective. The same is true with our leadership. In order to increase our capacity, we need to always be a student of leadership. Number four, broaden your horizons. High capacity leaders are not one dimensional, but multifaceted. I firmly believe that we all have certain gifts that we bring to the table, but that doesn't give us the right to neglect the areas we're not good in. Again, I got a background in training and I love sports. If you're a shooter, shoot the ball, but you better play some defense as well. You can't just play one side of the ball. You got to play both sides of the ball. High capacity leaders are well-rounded in dual threats. And the last one, learn from the leader above you. I have the great honor, as I said earlier, to be under world-class leaders, my senior pastors, who have been in ministry for 35 years, longer than I've been alive. That's wild. That's 35 years of wisdom, blazing a trail, and fighting and thriving and building a successful church in the Pacific Northwest. It would be foolish of me and anyone else to not take advantage and learn from the great leaders we serve under. That alone will substantially increase our capacity as a leader. Let's not stay where we're at leading second. Let's continue to increase our capacity because when we increase our capacity, not only do we grow, the people around us grow, the leaders that are above us grow, but the churches that we get to serve and be a part of the communities that we're trying to make an impact in continue to grow too. Let's continue to increase our capacity. Well, for today's interview, we are honored to welcome the campus pastor team from Parallel Church. Brandon sits down with them and they talk about how to be faithful under pressure. So good. Let's listen in to this conversation. Well, hey, I am here today with some of the amazing uh, campus pastor team from Parallel Church in Alberta, Canada. Say what's up to everybody. I'm honored to be here. Hey, so good to have you guys. I love your church. Uh, I love your pastors. You all serve as a part of our leadership team for Team Church. Of course, Leading Second is a part of the greater Team Church tribe, and your church contributes to that. So we love you. It's like talking to family today. And uh, you all were my first weekend cancellation, March of 2020. I was supposed to head your way like a day before everything shut down. And, uh, so I've had forever FOMO just, you know, like two years of FOMO, not being able to, um, be with you, (laughs) but we love you guys so much and, um, are thankful for what God's done in your house. Let's do some introductions and start with, uh, Tanisha. Hey guys, I'm Tanisha. I'm the campus pastor at our Okotoks campus. So I'm pretty focused there and just jump in wherever is needed on a parallel level. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm Jen, <laughs> and this is my husband, Tim. He'll probably introduce himself after. Um, we are the online campus pastors of Parallels Church, as well as where we wear a couple different hats, whatever our pastor kind of needs in the season that we're in. And right now we're serving in a couple different areas, but my main focus is I do a lot of the outreach programming and community programming for Parallels Churches. And yeah. Absolutely. My name is Tim, and I am the worship director for the Lethbridge Parallel Campus. That's awesome. Now, you just renamed your church, if I'm not mistaken, or even relaunched would be a better word. Yes. It was quite the process. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, it took about a year and a half long process, and it was kind of like having a child, but not knowing the name of that child after being a year and a half year old. That's true. So <laughs> we were living in the land of the in-between for quite some time. And um, yeah, it was it was an interesting season because what we ended up with, the name actually was... Uh, a word that was brought up in a previous conversation before we started the name branding process. So um, it was like God planted a seed and then took us a year and a half to kind of dig it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like people were saying, I think the whole time is it just resonated so much because it was what we already, it articulated so well what we already were living yeah. and the art and the culture and the DNA yeah. of who we are as an organization and it just resonated with everybody so much. So like even, even now we're still hearing People are just so excited about it. Now, give us a brief history lesson. This is going to be relevant for what we're going to talk about today. But through that process, you guys also, um, through the relaunch, you left a denomination. I mean, this was a major change for your church. Maybe someone tell us a little bit of history there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I can talk for, uh, like, I'll give some space Sanisha, to, to zoom in on this as well. But for Jen and myself, like we were in the denomination for almost uh like 10 years just yeah. over 10 years and so when mm. we came to the point that we we were okay we're gonna we're gonna rebrand it was like letting go of a past family member wow and then embr embracing and going forward with your current family right and so right. for us it was like it was kind of a tug of war between like who we thought we were and what god was like bringing us to be in this next season and so um mm. it wasn't an easy process by any means it certainly brought a lot of unity amongst our team yeah. Yeah. And adding to that, um, we had a, a bit of a fun and exciting opportunity in Okotoks um, because shortly before um, the leaving our denomination, we had a leadership transition where the campus pastors at our location were um, ready to move on. And um, that was a really good opportunity for them. And Joel and I were really excited to be able to step in as campus pastors. And then uh, COVID hit six weeks later, mm. um, which was insanity. And so kind of everything that we anticipated doing as campus pastors and planning as campus pastors kind of went to the wayside. And then in the midst of all of that, um, that transition, we also, the former campus pastors were staying with our old denomination. We were obviously moving on. And so that brought up a lot of questions in our conversation, um, just to be able to navigate as well. Mm. You've had change on top of change on top of change, all during a pandemic. And that was why I wanted to have this conversation today, because no doubt about it, everyone listening, we've all gone through some level of change and y'all have, have taken on quite a bit, but I appreciate so much how you've not come out smelling like smoke. Uh, but today I want to talk with you for a minute about being faithful under pressure. And I've thought of you and our friends in Canada a lot over the last two years 
the Canadian journey has not been easy. Um, and you guys can speak to that here in a minute. Um, when it comes to lockdowns and restrictions and culture. Um, so our, our hat is off to you. Uh, and I, I've prayed for you often. And anyone who's been around me for five minutes in this season knows that I've been reading heavily um, Jesus letters to uh, the churches in the book of Revelation. And um, I have been so impacted by this area of scripture because to me, it's the closest picture of what we have of what Jesus considers faithful in the church. It's the closest picture we have of Jesus today. And um, the second letter in, in this book, in this, this section where John is communicating on behalf of Jesus to the church in Smyrna, um, this second letter was the one that got me for our conversation today. It's, it's interesting because of the seven letters, there's only two letters, two churches that Jesus doesn't rebuke uh, and that he doesn't correct. And, and this church is one of them, but it's probably because this church is under such intense suffering or such intense pressure. And it says in Revelation 2 and verse 9, it says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Very interesting perspective. I know about your the, the slander of those who say they're Jews and they're not. I mean, he just goes on here to say, like, I know where you're at. I know that you're experiencing um, a lot of, of persecution. And then he says, uh, be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. In other words, in response to the pressure that they were under, um, Jesus does not say, I'm going to remove you from it. Which, by the way, if my kid was under pressure... And they said, and I saw they were under pressure. Like my response would be, let me step in and help you. You, because you're my kid, I'm going to rescue you from pressure, right? Like that's what I would do. I don't know, you know, what you guys would do, but that's not what Jesus did here. He said, because you're faithful, I'm actually going to let you continue to remain under pressure. And I'm going to ask you to be faithful under pressure, but I'm going to give you a victor's crown and I'm going to be your victory in this. And what we can draw from that is that Jesus obviously sees um, periodic pressure as being good for his church. Even though it's different from what we might do in the natural, Jesus sees something about pressure that does a special work uh, in our lives as the church and as believers. So I guess my question for you, let's start with this. Canada's had a very different experience uh, with COVID then, then the United States, what has it been like to lead and build a church in your nation in the last two years? Yeah, it's very different in this, in the sense that like all of our different provinces are running under different mandates and different restrictions. And so we were going through a season where like every month there would be a new restriction lifted or another one given, and then they would mm. follow suit of another province that didn't. And it was, it was like, it was like all along, we couldn't find what was working for this population in this specific mm. sector and when we're looking at the churches i think a lot of the headaches that we hit were like okay our number one of our are our people coming back if they're not how do we reach them mm. and um and i think a lot of our focus went to be like okay we need to get outside these church walls because if they're not coming back people still need jesus and people still mm -hmm. need hope 
So how do we facilitate this? And that's where like a lot of the outreach arm came into play. Yeah. It was like, and the online campus and the online campus came into play. It's like, we need to innovate now. We need to get creative now. Yeah. Um, if we continue going down the route, we're going, we may not have a church in this like anymore. Now that God's mm-hmm. church wouldn't exist, but our physical location may not because we didn't adjust and get agile in the yeah. season that we needed to. And um, I think God was calling us just to be like, okay, I need to like blow your minds for a second. <laughs> and my church is not within your building. What has it been like leading among a culture? You know, just just the, the, the culture of your area. People all of a sudden are more apathetic or resistant to coming to church or churches that want to open their doors are doing something evil or immoral. You know, well, what's it been like to kind of confront that? I think it's been like we've we've been in a little bit of a unique area here in Alberta. So Alberta is like a little bit of the Bible Belt of Canada. So in sure. some ways, like we've been really fortunate. So like we've had in like we've never had the church. I don't think we've ever had it shut down. Mm-hmm. Like it's never mm-hmm. been told to close here. Whereas other provinces have actually had to shut down. Um, so we've been really fortunate that way. But I think in terms of like culture and different things, each of our communities. Canada is very diverse, which is mm. a huge, a huge benefit and opportunity, but also creates a lot of pockets of people that have different views and beliefs and belief systems. And all of our communities that we have campuses in, because we're a multi-site church, um, have different and unique challenges. So Okotoks, Britannia has a completely different demographic than, say, Lethbridge, where we are, or Claire's home, which where we have one of our campuses, right? Mm-hmm. So we have very, very diverse populations and people that um, would have, some of them have reservations and some of them don't. Like in Lethbridge, we have a lot more, I would say, cowboys who are kind of like, let's just go to church kind of thing. And then some of our other areas like Okotoks and Tanisha can speak to that would be different. Yeah, Okotoks is probably the most, as a town, not necessarily the people in the congregation, but as a town, the most um, conservative. We're really close to Calgary, which is one of our bigger centers. And so it's very like, if you're not following the rules, you're a bad person. And um, I found like we really, we've had to really encourage our church and our team to um, just say we have a voice in this season, but it's not about COVID and it's not about mandates. It's to point people back to that hope. And right. we, it, this might be a big deal and it's obviously a big deal in people's lives, but we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's been, I think, a fairly constant tension. Like it hasn't yep. been a one and done resolve thing. It's, it's just been something we've really had to manage the tension with. Yeah. Well, and then you all have experienced pressure on top of pressure. So you've experienced COVID, but then you've also experienced leaving a denomination, which was messy. I don't know how much you want to get into that or not, but it was not pretty. You know, some of the things that that came at your pastor and the church. So you all experienced pressure on pressure. And someone who's listening's journey is going to have been different, but I think we can all relate to pressure on pressure. So talk to me about what that's been like. And and I have a question for you. Tell me how you have unified as a team in a season of pressure on pressure. Yeah, it's interesting because we are uh, leading second to our senior pastors. And when they hit fire or they're going through trials, it's like it's almost like in this season, we've all had to as campus pastors or as leaders grab that that bottom rung of that ladder that we're holding up for them and be like, okay. Whatever it takes in this season, we need to stabilize right. them as they continue to climb. 
because what they're facing is some hard stuff. And so what are we going to do? We're going to put aside like our preferences mm -hmm. and say, Hey, in this season, if, if uh, he needs me to go into kids and I'm not doing worship anymore, then that's, that's where my heart's going to be. Or if you need me to readjust my mm -hmm. like schedule to, in order to accommodate this new ministry, whatever it may be, it's like, it was almost, it forced us to get outside of mm -hmm. our like preference boxes of what we were currently working in and be like, okay, whatever's best for the ministry right now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and even like looking at the rebrand, and that guy's up and Tim was comparing it to before, like you're naming this new baby, right? But like the whole process of that and the birthing process and getting that out is was a lot of pressure. <laughs> and I think in terms of like if you allow pressure, pressure can actually it can refine, it can provide growth, and you see a lot of things exposed through the to the process of applying pressure to something that whatever is internally in there tends to come out. So whether it's going to explode or there's going to be some kind of crazy reaction or whether it's going to produce something that's yep. refined and more, more pure and full of substance, like that tends to be what comes out in times of pressure. When you have compounded pressure, it just gets more and more, I think, refined. And I think yep. what we saw was even through the rebrand and through the process of leaving the denomination and different things, we came out with such a pure identity yeah. right. and the DNA of what we came out with was so distilled that yeah. it just like, it, it was crazy. Like we, like even now, like when we look at like our statements and stuff that are hanging on our walls, it's like, that was there the whole time. But now it's wow. just so clearly articulated because we allowed that pressure to distill it Beautiful. down to whatever was like the bare bones of being like, this is who we are. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. Um, what's the greatest lesson a season of pressure has taught you? Um, I think um, just feeling like pressure on pressure, um, it can be really easy to get overwhelmed, which is easy to say. And um, in our first two months as campus pastors, we had our leadership transition, COVID hit. Wow. We had a traumatic um, death of a family within our campus mm -hmm. and we had a baby. And so everything <laughs> that we planned for that season wow. did not happen. Everything wow. that we thought we could do to support our pastor and, and be there was not going to work. It was no longer relevant. Um, and I think just being able to um, keep being able to keep focused on, like Tim mentioned it earlier, but the church is not the four walls. We're not designed to stay right. there. And so when we could shift our thinking from this is what we do Sunday morning to this is what we do and this is who we are, then all of a sudden dropping coffees off for everybody when church was shut down and leaving that on their doorsteps, that became a way that we could be the church or right. getting meals out to people at the beginning of COVID when everybody was scared and just being willing to be brave and step in where most people were stepping back was really huge. And then, um, yeah, just looking for ways to just not just say to our pastor, hey, we're right behind you, but saying, mm. how can I be right behind you? I want to be right behind, behind you. What do you need in this season? And just being willing to like step in wherever that, that looked to be the church was so critical. Yeah. yeah. When like when you're going through seasons of pressure or prom pressure is that you don't have the allowance to not... Um, to not work the art of candid conversations. Like yeah. we, we have to be able to have those honest conversations. And in the off season, like any athlete would be training for the moment is like when things aren't pressure upon pressure, mm -hmm. I would highly be suggesting that like your team 
the just working the art individually and corporately mm-hmm. is like, okay, let's have these discussions. Yeah. Let's be willing to be upfront with each other if something's bothering us. Like, because when that pressure hits, we don't have that let let that leniency to yeah. just mm-hmm. beat around the bush. Yeah, and if you have any cracks in your foundation right. mm-hmm. when you add the pressure to it, like it really, it really exposes where there's weak spots. And so yep. I know even like throughout this whole, like the last two years or so, like there's been times where it's like, okay, more pressure gets added. And it's like, okay, this spot actually is like a vulnerable place. So we need to like reinforce that. We need to put some good disciplines and practices in yep. place. Maybe it's family time or different things, just different aspects yep. of our life. Or maybe it's like, okay, like we got this part, like handled pretty well, but now this has been exposed as like an area of weakness. So now we have to kind of spend some time and adjust how we're, how we're managing those things. And with the, even talking about the book um, that we talked about at the beginning, the full power of engagement, like some of the stuff in there, just reevaluating how you're managing your times and energies and different things to make sure that you have the sustainable practices and disciplines and rhythms in place to sustain you in those times of pressure. Because if you don't have those, that foundation is like pretty rocky. Right. Well said. No one under pressure should feel the pressure to always get it right. I mean, we're, we're all going, going to wriggle and writhe under pressure. We're going to have gut reactions. Obviously the healthier you are, the better, you know, your reaction is going to be in those moments, but none of us are going to feel perfect under pressure for sure. But let me ask you this under pressure, where did you run and where did you anchor your hope? I'm going to like, I'm going to come at it from a different perspective of pressure. And I think I was thinking about this this morning, just with like Jesus calling Peter out on the water is that like once Peter hit that water and he mm-hmm. began to sink, there was a different kind of pressure on him. It was like, he had the pressure of like deciding to go back to that boat or to just mm-hmm. like continue on with his journey to go see Jesus. And I think like a lot of people in ministry now, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but you have that pressure of people on the outside that were kind of like, not all for you getting into ministry and like, you're going to waste your life calling you back and being like, look, the church is, is on a downward spiral. You might as well come back and like, go back to your comfort zone or go back to what you were training for or the mm-hmm. trades, whatever. And I, I, I felt like in this season, that was the kind of pressure I was feeling. And it's like, it's like, God, I've already made all these steps to come towards you. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to feel that pressure of being called back to normalcy or back to complacency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like the cheesy answer, like is, is God right? <laughs> kind of thing. But like, really, like it does come down to those what are you inputting daily disciplines and those kinds of those little things that like get so easily put aside like are you doing your daily devotionals are you spending intentional time seeking god or in prayer um and setting those foundational things in place because i think when it comes to it's like well where do you run to you tend to fall back on what you know and you fall back on where you've developed the habits and those systems in your life so like when you make something a habit or habitual, you're more likely to retreat to that place. And so like for us, like I know we've been very intentional about building like our daily like disciplines and different things. So like I do have times like once a day where I will go and sit and read a book and pray or mm. just have a bath and have some God like alone time kind of thing. And without that, like you do... I think you develop other dependencies and other things that you will go to instead yeah. if you don't take the initiative and set that like as a precedent into your life. Absolutely. Rhythms are king on that. I think um, something that's been 
that's really stood out to me is just like, um, pastor Kelly talks a lot about the idea of like, instead of, um, talking to God about how big your giants are, instead talk to your giants about how big your God is. And that focus to be like, we can identify that we're in a hard season and see that this is big, but still remember that our God is bigger. And, um, I think like with what Tim and Jen were saying, being able to have that strength as, um, as a couple and being able to help each other lean on that is so, um, so key and so helpful. And then just knowing like, who do you let speak into your life in those moments? Um, Tim actually said something in an online devotional recently, and it stood out to me. And he said, Tim, you might be able to say this better, but it was the idea of like, you can have lots of people in your circle, but not everybody belongs in circle of influence. And so recognizing like who is speaking into my life, are they going to push me to go farther in my calling or, or are they pulling me back or encouraging me back? Great. Well said. I I just want to say it again. I I love and respect you all and all of our Canadian friends and brothers and sisters. We respect you all so much. And um, like you said, it's been a diverse experience, but I know some have really struggled to gain traction. A lot of cultural headwinds, you know, right now, restriction headwinds. So I just want you to know if you're in Canada leading today, we love you. I pray for you regularly. If there's something we can be doing for you, um, please reach out and, and let us know. But I want to thank you guys for your encouragement today. And thank you for, for, um, for speaking back into the lives of leaders today. Let me ask you one more question before we land the plane on this interview. Um, how have you attempted to hold up the arms of your pastors? Well, in a season under pressure? I think being able to make sure that we don't just hear what they say as words, but hear it as instruction or something to take forward. Like we all have room or influence or a platform. And I think that we can be a voice for our pastor in those rooms and those spaces that they aren't. Um, So if they say something casually or really intentionally, just thinking, how can I take this forward to our team or our congregation so they don't have to say it a billion more times? How can we help reinforce what we're doing and what we're trying to take forward as a church? Great. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, like I know one of the things that actually you said this, Brandon, I think in your, in the leading second uh, course, but just being a voice for your pastor in rooms where they're necessarily not. And like, how do we represent them well? And when we are leading meetings or when we come into a meeting, how do we, how do we basically bring them and their presence when they can't be there into that situation? And so like, we've been really intentional over the years studying our pastors and even picking up verbiage or just picking up like things that would represent them well. And so when we do go into spaces or places, like we do our best to, if they can't be there, then we can, we can speak in their, in their stead Mm -hmm. and be able to like bring the culture and the vision. Yeah. I hope, I hope everybody caught that Jen. Cause I, you said something great about representing our pastors in those rooms and that's important. But I think you said another part that's really important and that's that, we're called to represent our pastors in rooms they're not in. 
but it's not like they're ever going to sit down and train us, you know, like, here's what you say when I'm not there, you know, uh, no, you're going to learn it by being a student of your pastor. You're going to learn it by studying their voice, their heart. What do they say yes to? What do they say no to? What do they approve? What do they push back on? I mean, study your leaders and you'll be able to stand in for them one day and, and serve them faithfully. So I hope everybody caught that. Cause that was, that was very well said. I love that. Tim, you get the final word today. I'm going to piggyback off of all of this and just say, I'm going to like, um, intently be preemptively listening for one pastor isn't saying, mm. and, um, even though it's not being said from the pulpit or it's not being said in staff meetings, my ears are open to like, um, what he's not saying, but where he's kind of moving with that. And the second part of that is just uh, investing in my self-awareness and knowing, okay, am I and knowing like my good days and my bad days, because I don't want to misread him or misrepresent in in different arenas. And so I'm, I've been highly investing in like just knowing myself better. Some people think Enneagram's the devil, but for me, like that whole Enneagram thing opened up my eyes and made me understand like why yeah. I behave the way I do and allows me to give me a playbook of how I should behave, be behaving and how mm-hmm. I could be behaving in different arenas. Yeah. Great. Well said today, guys. I love your voice. I love your perspective. I'm so thankful for your faithfulness in this season. So thank you guys for adding value today. And Hey, if you're listening today and you made it this far in the episode, you obviously needed this conversation. And my prayer for leaders everywhere today is if you are experiencing pressure, if you're experiencing pressure on top of pressure right now, I pray that you would be found faithful in the sight of God. I pray that endurance, the spirit of endurance would come all over you today, that you would run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint, and that you would realize that sometimes a season feels like death and sometimes it feels like like pressure, but Jesus promised us life as a victor's crown if we will be faithful. So I believe that will be your story and my story as we attempt to be faithful uh, to God in this season. So thanks so much, Parallel Church. Love you, having you guys on here today. God bless you. So much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.